Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 27. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Well, this weekend is Labor Day, and I'm flying down to Atlanta to check out DragonCon, the ginormous sci-fi fantasy convention that is debatably one of the nerdiest, sweetest annual events on this planet. I've never actually gone, but I've heard it's the place you gotta be if you want to score a date with the actress that plays Caprica on Battlestar Galactica. Aside from trying to do that, my main goal down there is to meet, mingle, and talk shop with some other podcasters. There are a lot of folks I'm looking forward to meeting. If you're going to be down there and want to grab a beer, shoot me an email at drabblecast at yahoo.com. I'll be the guy in the predator suit. (laughs) Just playing. I don't own a predator suit. Yet. Oh, that reminds me. I just now found out that there's an Alien vs. Predator sequel coming out in freaking Christmas. I've always loved the concept of evil fighting evil and aliens fighting other aliens. I kind of hated the first movie, though, but I'm still duty-bound to love it. It's kind of like our annoying toy poodle Jip. We all pretty much hate that thing, but we're compelled to love him because he's part of the family. I'm hoping this movie kind of redeems the first one. But I'm also kind of worried that it's going to have Tim Allen or something in it, being, you know, somehow accidentally enlisted as a bumbling Santa Claus that has to save humanity from the vicious alien onslaught and also save Christmas at the same time. Let's cross our fingers, people. And that, of course, segues beautifully into today's story, Crazy by Patricia Russo. Patricia's stories have appeared in the anthologies Corpse Blossoms, The Best of Not One of Us, Read by Dawn, Volume 2, Zencore, and in various issues of City Slab and Tales of the Unanticipated. So get ready to revisit the foolish days of your childhood. Without further ado, Crazy by Patricia Russo. Don't put your hand in the crazy, said Ma, but I didn't listen. We were in the park, and anyway, she was busy with my little brother, because as always, he was being a pain. The plan was to let him work off some energy in the little kid's playground, but he made such a mess in the sandbox, kicking the sand, hurling it around, that the other little kids were all screeching and howling, the way they do, with the snot running freely, and the other parents and whatnot were giving Ma these looks, like, control your little monster, lady. So she snatched him up and said, We're going for a walk. (laughs) I'm never having kids. We were heading out of the playground when Ma saw the swings and had a brainwave, or a brain spasm, and hoisted Timmy into one of those deals that's basically like a kid's car seat hung up on chains and told me to push him until he stopped crying. Yeah. She sat on a bench in the shade, and I pushed him and pushed him. I refrained from pointing out that it wasn't working, Yay me. I didn't say a word as the howling went on and on and on. Finally she came up, sighing through her teeth, and took him out of the swing. Timmy, let's let's go look for squirrels, she said. And then she said to me, where's Dylan? Which would be my older brother who'd peeled off toward the basketball course before we even got to the playground. I said I didn't know, and Ma sighed through her teeth again. Anyway... We were on the walking trail, pretending to look for squirrels, 
look, Timmy, look, that sort of thing. And the crazy was right there, glinting through the fallen leaves, nestled between the humped-up roots of an old oak tree. You couldn't miss it, really. Why were all those fallen leaves there when it was June? When I crouched and peered closely, I thought, yep, this is the weirdness, all right. Ma glanced over at me, but then Timmy found a dead bird and started to make a fuss. Dead things bother him something awful. Make it fly! Make it fly! He was going, and she was holding his shoulders and trying to pull him away, murmuring the usual garbage about the nature of things and the cycle of life and all that. Timmy wasn't having any of it. He was tugging on her, trying to get her to kneel down and get all close up and personal with the dead bird. Don't put your hand in the crazy, Ma said, but she wasn't even looking at me when she said it. That made me mad, so I brushed some of the leaves away. The glint was sort of silver, but sort of brassy, not like colors you could see with your eyes, if you know what I mean. Now, I'd seen crazy before, lots of times. Ma told me once that as soon as I was born, she'd known that a certain something was going to run in the family. I guess Dylan had been a relief for her that way. Not that she put it like that, but I knew what she meant. Anyway, I've seen crazy a lot, and I know that there are different types and sorts and flavors. This particular weirdness under the leaves huddled against the upthrust root seemed weird. Looking at it was tasty, but it also made something inside me itch. It gave me the impression of being solid enough and small enough that I could pick it up and put it in my pocket, but also of being so big that I could slip inside it and disappear. Interesting. Make it fly! Make it fly! Timmy was going behind me in a desperate, nerve-scraping voice, and I didn't have to look to know that Ma was real close to losing it. I wish she would just slap him already. But Ma never did that. She liked to reason with him. To be fair, that was her way with all of us. But a three-year-old having a meltdown is not a good candidate for being reasoned with, in my own, you know, humble opinion. Maybe she said don't to me again. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she was saying don't to Timmy. Maybe he was trying to touch the dead bird like he would. It doesn't matter. I wasn't listening to her anyway. Because what did she know? The crazy was interesting. Besides, she was about to give in to that little brat, just like she always did. Timmy always got what he wanted. I put my hand in the crazy. I closed my hand over it, and it closed over my hand. And let me tell you something. It hurt like <laughs> you wouldn't believe. I said something really intelligent, like, Ruff! and fell flat on my back. So I was looking up, right? looking at the sky, perfectly positioned to notice when the bird flew up off the ground. The pain was so intense, my eyes were watering. My eyes were watering and my hand was on fire. So I saw the bird through my tears, blurrily. It looped a little, sort of staggering in flight, but its wings beat fiercely. It flew right across my line of vision, swimming out of deadness and away, away into the air. Timmy was clapping his hands and jumping up and down. Yay, yay, yay! I looked at the sky and thought to myself, all calm and cool and whatnot, 
You really messed up big time, genius. Then Ma must have looked over at me, because she said, her voice soft and tired but furious, Oh, no. I turned my head, and she was sitting on the dirt with her face in her hands, and her shoulders slumped, exhausted. Once, when I was maybe Timmy's age, Ma did something. She fixed something big. Dylan was playing with a lighter he found on the street and set fire to his bed. I don't remember the fire itself, just the smell of it. Dylan says that when Ma ran in, the flames were eating everything, sheets and mattress and pillow, and snapping out at the wall and the nightstand. He talks about it, when he talks about it, like the fire was a wild animal that somehow got loose in his room. Ma fixed it. All I know is what Dylan said, that she took it and got all around it, then patted it and shaped it, made it smaller and smaller, smaller and smaller, patting and patting, until it was gone. Afterwards, though, I remember she was so tired she had to lie down for two days. It was lucky that it happened a long time before Timmy was born, because he would have never let her rest for a minute. He was still jumping up and down like a monkey, clapping and hooting because the bird had flown away. Ma took her face out of her hands and snapped, Timmy, stop it. Then she looked at me. Did you leave your sense at home? I lay on my back and blinked tears away. My hand was in the crazy and the crazy was holding my hand, swathing it. My hand was wrapped up in it like a mummy bandage, lapped over and over. It felt like I was wearing a thousand mittens, all of them a thousand times too tight. If you looked at my hand, you, you couldn't see anything, just a dork making a fist for no reason. I'm sorry, I said. Not as sorry as you're going to be, Ma said, still like totally wrung out. Timmy, please. He started running off into the trees, so she had to get up and chase him. When she came back, I had my eyes closed. I heard Timmy chattering nonsense and Ma breathing hard. Get up, she said. We're going home. So Timmy started wailing about that, and I lay still for a minute, because my hand was so heavy it felt like it was nailing me to the ground. But I opened my eyes and I got up. It was bad. I was dizzy and I almost started crying. Ma just looked me in the eye. I was almost as tall as her, but then she's not very tall. You couldn't just wait? She said, bone weary. I, I just... I just wanted... I shut up. I, I couldn't say what I'd wanted to do. So we went home, and when Dylan finally decided to show up for lunch, like around two... She left Timmy with him and took me to see the old woman that lives in the shoebox house down by Blue Street. All the time we were waiting for Dylan, Ma didn't say a lot to me. I, I didn't say a lot to her either. I sat with my eyes closed and the crazy in my lap. It had started to hit me, you know, that I'd done something I couldn't take back. And when I was thinking that, Ma said, A million times. I would have given it back if I could. I still would. So softly that it was like she was talking to herself, but I, I knew she was talking to me, and my heart wrenched. 
Timmy was bouncing around, oblivious. I wanted to hit him, but I didn't. I made myself finish my sandwich. There was no point in going to see the old lady. I knew that before we even left the house, but I guess Ma thought she had to try. As soon as the old lady saw us, or saw me, even with her cloudy eyes, you know, that cataract thing that old people get, she started shaking her head. Out of my league, she said. Only small magic's here. And Ma let out a long breath, and we went home. Ma called it the crazy. She always had. The old lady called it something else. Most of the time, before I touched one, I used to use the word Ma used, or sometimes I would call it the weirdness to myself. Walking home, slowly, because Ma was just getting more and more tired, I was trying to think which word was right, or if none of them were. Ma was silent, and I figured she was going to stay silent, but she surprised me. When we got home, she didn't stop to check on Dylan and Timmy. The TV was on, and we could hear Dylan talking on his cell phone, so he probably wasn't keeping an eye on the little monster. But Ma didn't go to look to see what Timmy was up to. She didn't go look to see if Dylan had eaten any of the lunch she'd saved for him. She didn't even call out that she was home. She took me by the shoulder and sort of pushed me, sort of steered me, to my room. Her hand was light and heavy at the same time. It felt hot. In my room, she made me sit down on my bed and closed the door. All right, she said. Let's see what we've got here, what we're going to have to deal with. I wish I hadn't. I wish you hadn't, too. But what's done is done. Open up your hand. I was stunned. I couldn't open my hand. It was impossible. That was the whole point. Didn't she understand that? My hand was locked in the crazy, and the crazy was locked in my hand. I was going to go through the rest of my life like this, club-handed, wearing slip-on shoes and getting someone to sew Velcro on all my clothes. Then she sat down next to me on the bed and took my elbow and turned my arm a little bit. You have to. It's the next step. Come on, we'll do it together. I'll help you. You're lucky, you know. Mrs. Cuff... That was the uh, shoebox house lady. She told me once that hers opened up in her sleep. She was all alone, and, and she didn't know what to do. She was scared. I'm scared, I said. Good, Ma said. You should be. So there's a little bit of sense somewhere in your head after all. Come on, now. She stroked the back of my arm and turned my wrist a little. She murmured in my ear as she touched, here and here, you see? Open and close at the same time. You hold it and it holds you. And I thought I was getting the idea. I had a glimmer of how I was going to do this. Timmy started screaming, and a second later Dylan's voice boomed, angry and cracking, yelling, shut up, sit down, and a lot of bad words. Ma didn't move. She kept holding my arm. Is it really terrible? I whispered. Sometimes, she said. But most of the time it isn't. 
But then she said something really strange, because it had nothing to do with anything. Did I ever tell you the story of how I met your father? No? Remind me on your next birthday. I'll tell you then. Okay, I said. So I just do this? Yes, and this. She touched again. Slower. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Slowly, but not too slowly. Scared, but not so terribly scared. I opened my hand. And Ma and I watched the colors come, and the lights sweep and break and shape, and the shadows burst and swirl and fountain until the air itself shivered. And my body, too, my body did all of those things, too. And Ma held me as my future unfolded. That was our story. I hope you enjoyed it. You know, I remember handling my fair share of feces in the park as a child. I think we've all been there. But while I was always the poo toucher of my siblings, my brother was always the reptile handler. I think what started out for him as an interest in how snakes and lizards felt became more of a curiosity to see how their bites felt and differed from each other. Knowledge can be painful. So I need to make a quick correction to the feedback portion of last week's show, the story Momentum, Drabblecast 23. It's not by Kevin J. Anderson, as I accidentally said. It's by Kevin No J. Anderson. Sorry about that, Kevins. Finally, to close this week's show out, I'm going to have to do a mandatory plug for my self-titled CD, which just came out and is available online at www.normsherman.com. If you're the type that would be interested or amused by songs about Jesus clones and Jurassic Park-esque theme park disasters, or the tough profession of whale milking and cheese production, or chupacabers, government conspiracies, and alien parasite outbreaks, you should definitely go check it out. I'll close today's episode with one of the tunes, Daddy Drinks Because You Cry. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you can and should share this with as many people as you want. Just don't charge them or change this. Our staff is made up of co-editors Luke Coddington, Kendall Marchman, and myself, Norm Sherman, reminding you to keep your hands out of the crazy. Was acting out of control Blame it on ADD Blame it on a TV show And in detention you could hear the teacher say Don't know if you're fully aware Why things turned out this way Daddy drinks because you cry and Mama left him because you wouldn't clean your room and Grandpa died because of how much you are 
And daddy drinks because you cry Because you cry Drinks because you cry Because you cry Little snot-nosed girl, spoiled beyond belief One finger up in her nose, the other one tugging your sleeve I know that things don't always go the way you like Lean a little closer now, I'll tell you why Daddy drinks because you cry Mama left him cause you wouldn't clean your room Grandpa died because of how much you whine And Daddy drinks because you cry Because you cry Drinks because you cry Because you cry, because you cry.